I'm convinced that for the disciples of Jesus, they didn't have answers to most of their questions. But something deep down inside of them said as they came to know Jesus, I don't get it all, but I know I have to stay close to him. From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's podcast Sunday series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. Why is this happening? How come it has to be this way? Why do I have to go through this? Today, Father Pat McGrath points out that even though there are things that happen in our life that we don't understand, one thing is certain. If we remain close to Jesus, we're filled with his grace in order to find peace and be church for others. I am uh, so happy uh, to be with you today, and I'm so happy and grateful and humbled to step into the role of pastor for Old St. Patrick's. I want to thank in a special way the Cardinal for his confidence in me and for his support and thank him in a special way for his presence here today. So Cardinal, thank you so much for being with us. As Kara said when we began, there are no strangers here, so let me point out a few of some of the strange people over here. Um, there are, of course, very familiar faces here. For those of you who are a part of the old St. Patrick's community, you know the, the regular lineup of folks, uh, the priests who serve here. And we are so, so very, very blessed by extraordinary priests who have given of themselves and continue to give of themselves so generously here. I want to single out in a special way, of course, um, the two giants that I follow in this role who are here with us today. Uh, we would not be Old St. Patrick's without Jack Wall and Tom Hurley, so I'm particularly honored by your presence here. Thank you. In addition to the familiar faces, I'm joined too today by uh, a, a cadre of my Jesuit brothers, led by my provincial, and so I want to welcome in a special way the provincial of the Midwest Jesuits. Uh, it's his generosity too that's made me available uh, for the Cardinal to assign me here, and so I want to thank and welcome in a special way our provincial, Father Carl Kaiser. So thank you, Carl. The rest of them are all Jesuits, and uh, <laughs> they heard there was a breakfast, so, uh, so they are here with us, and I'm pleased to welcome my brother Jesuits, who are so important uh, to me in my faith and my life, so thanks for being here, brothers. Uh, today is in the calendar of the church, in addition to being this Sunday of Ordinary Time, it is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Who knew we would have picked this date, but uh, um, we thank God for the, the life and mission and ministry of Ignatius and all of us who have been 
drawn into his worldview, his spirituality, and we pray in a special way in our Mass today in gratitude to God for the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, and the mission around the world. We are, we are blessed to be here in Chicago in so many places, uh, and now for uh, me to serve full-time with you here is just a great grace for the Society, so we're grateful for that welcome. I don't know if you saw it in the news this week, uh, but a story caught my attention and really moved me, and it was the story of a surprise appearance by Joni Mitchell at the Newport Jazz Festival. All the baby boomers just spoke up. I heard them. <laughs> I hear you. Joni Mitchell, of course, is one of the greatest songwriters and performers of a generation plus. And she hasn't performed much lately. She's had significant health issues. She had an aneurysm that caused significant damage for her. And so that she showed up at all was really extraordinary. But she showed up and was brought to the center of the performance stage and slowly did an entire set with an all-star band around her, crossing generations. The music critic in the New York Times wrote a wonderful piece of appreciation about it, and as art critics can, captured so much more than just a music set by a songwriter. And she described it so beautifully, and she said that Joni Mitchell came onto the stage and seemed afraid. She seemed hesitant. And they placed her in a seat, and if you watch the YouTube videos of her performance, she's in what almost looks like a throne of sorts, as the other artists were around her. The writer in the Times says that she came out and seemed really uncomfortable, but by about the second song, she didn't sing at all on the first song, the second song you could see her shoulders sort of loosen up a little bit, the tension seeming to start to fade away. And then the author says, she even started to shimmy on the second song, and then in time, sang. Now, it's not the voice of Joni Mitchell from when she was in her 20s and was putting out those songs for the first time and singing in coffee houses. It's a different voice. It's the voice of a 78-year-old woman who has suffered terrible physical ailments. It's a voice that's got a lot of gravel in it now. It's got a few cigarettes in it too, I think, but it's got that, that gritty sound to it that to me, to be honest, is more beautiful even than the earlier voice because there's wisdom and years in the gravel. And she sang her songs in a new way, it seemed to me, sometimes sort of talking through them, but most of the time reaching to sing them the way that only she could, her song. And she sang those wonderful songs that shaped generations, A Case of You, Little Yellow Taxi. And as the New York Times writer said very clearly, but the centerpiece, the high point of the performance was both sides now. You're singing it in your head right now, aren't you? <laughs> I've looked at life from both sides now. I've looked at clouds, I've looked at love. She sings in the three verses of this song 
that we all know. And the text she wrote when she was in her 20s, she was sometimes criticized, or at least people would raise some sort of question about what does she know about life? She's 26 years old. She's 78 now and lived through a lot, and so the song sounds different, more powerful. In a word, it's beautiful when she sings it. And the song moves to a level of humility when she says, I've looked at clouds, I've looked at life, I've looked at love from both sides now. But I really don't know clouds or love or life at all. There's a well-earned honesty and humility that comes through as this older woman looks back at her story and stands in front of it and the mystery of it all. I don't know what questions you brought here to faith gathering of church this morning. I don't know where you are on your faith journey and how strong it feels. I don't know what questions about life or love or even clouds are floating around in your head and your heart today, but we're question people. We carry in us all sorts of wonderings and concerns and questions. And singers and songwriters like Mitchell put words and images to it that help us grapple with what it means to be human, what it means to seek meaning, what it means to find purpose, the questions of a lifetime. One of my favorite insights about our faith comes from a theologian, David Tracy, who taught at the University of Chicago for many years. And he wrote this, Jesus Christ is the divine response to the question that human beings are to themselves. Jesus Christ is the answer to the question that human beings are to themselves. That is to say, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know how God orients God's very life and love toward us, if you want to find a life of purpose and meaning, watch Jesus Christ. Follow him. Listen to him. Become like him. The questions that rattle over the course of a lifetime, the questions that go down to the sinew of our soul about purpose and direction, well, the theologian says, are answered in the incarnate presence of God with us. The questions of your lifetime are answered not in easy phrases, but rather in the lived experience of coming to know Jesus Christ. And in recent weeks in our church, the readings that have been put in front of us from Luke's gospel are Jesus giving us some key insights of what it looks like to follow him, what it looks like to engage that path to purpose and meaning, what it means to be a person in this world who has come to know what matters most. He's given us some clues here just a few weeks ago in that wonderful scene with Mary and Martha at Bethany where he says to Martha who frets and moves about about so many things and good things that Mary seated there at his feet listening to him 
had chosen the better part. She had chosen the one necessary thing, which is to stay close to him. I'm convinced that for the disciples of Jesus, they didn't have answers to most of their questions, but something deep down inside of them said as they came to know Jesus, I don't get it all, but I know I have to stay close to him. As they would watch him, as they would hear him, as they would feel drawn to him, something inside of them resonated, and those deepest questions and yearnings of their hearts felt different all of a sudden. And they knew they had to stay close. And so Jesus tells Martha, Mary's doing the right thing here. She's paying attention to God right there in her midst. Every saint and mystic of our tradition, including and especially Ignatius of Loyola, I had to get him in somewhere, (laughs) would say that the first step in the spiritual life is to pay attention. It is to notice. It is to see then differently because we attend to our lives. The great writer Frederick Buechner says, listen to your life. Pay attention to your life for the unfathomable mystery that it is in the glorious and the mundane. For all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. God present. And so the saints tell us, pay attention. Become more aware of how God is here with us, operating in our world and in our lives and inviting us always to something more. More compassion, more mercy, more generosity, more justice, more love, more service, more. And Jesus says, pay attention. And today he tells us, if your attention is diverted to the things that you want to draw to yourself, you're on the wrong road. He tells us and reveals yet again this central Christian calculus about how we're supposed to live, which is to say this crazy proclamation that if you want to receive your life, if you want to live the life that God has sent you here to live, if you want to become the person God has dreamed you into existence to be, then learn how to give yourself away. The only way to get what you seek most desperately, most deeply, the longing and the yearning and the questions, what you want most in the essence of who you are, can only be received to the extent that you give yourself away in love and in service. The path is love in action, manifested in deeds more than words. The path is to find that way by giving of ourselves. And so we've made our way to church here this morning to stay close to him, to Jesus. We've come to hear him speak to us in those words and to be fed by him with holy food. And we come to do that so that we might be sustained and inspired and recognize the mission. For we come here in order to be sent. We pray that what we do here, what we recognize here, what we celebrate here, the mystery we lean into here, we might take with us out there to be church for this hurting world, to be church for our city that needs healing and justice, to be church that moves from the the beauty and the inspiration of this liturgy, this church, 
to be church out there, to be ambassadors of hope. As Francis, our Pope, would say, to be a field hospital. To be a field hospital that moves to where the wounded are and brings the balm of healing, the balm of reconciliation, the balm of welcome, to reach out in particular to those who have been pushed aside or forgotten or believe that they don't fit. Well, that's the mission. That's our church that what we do here might be real there, that we might be those people of hope, that we might show the joy that we have come to know because we've come to know Jesus and share it with a hurting world. This is the mission. This is the call. This is what we pray to be. May we know the grace today and always to be that church. Be that church. Time now for announcements and events. This Thursday, August 4th at 7 p.m., Evenings with Encore return with a moving presentation of Margie Rudnick's recent journey to the Texas-Mexico border. Margie, a Mercy Associate through the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas, will share an eyewitness account of the migrant situation at the border, including her observations, personal experiences volunteering at a shelter, conversations with Border Patrol, and lessons learned. Please join us for this informative and thought-provoking presentation via Zoom. For more details, visit oldstpats.org encore. Then, join us for the documentary film viewing and discussion of the movie Mission, Joy, Finding Happiness in Troubled Times, on Sunday, August 14th at 12.15 p.m. in Fellowship Hall at 625 West Adams. This program is presented free of charge, but please register online so that we're prepared to provide our best hospitality. For the link to register, see page 3 of the most recent Crossroads publication. Then enjoy a chance to pause in the busyness of summer on August 20th at the Humble Park Boathouse. The morning will consist of meditation, prayer, and discussion, followed by the opportunity to share a meal with other participants. For details about the event on August 20th and for information about all our upcoming Encounter events, please visit oldstpats.org encounter. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 11 a.m. Mass on Sunday, July 31st by Father Pat McGrath. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Old St. Pat's app. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast.